welcome to our Logos evening um, together. Um, and a few announcements before we open our time uh, in a word of prayer. Uh, Tim and I will um, open up the time in a word of prayer. So I'm Edwin Lai. I'm uh, one of the, uh, I lead one of the discipleship groups uh, here for Logos, and so does Tim. And uh, this is our regular evening um, Bible study time, but this is a special one uh, this week because it's missions week. So we have the Morales family joining us. Uh, and what we'll do is we will open up the time in a word of prayer, then we'll do our regular sharing. So this week we had uh, exegesis in 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 8. And so Olivia and Ben will do um, brief sharing. And then I'll hand the time over to Pastor Mark for the Q&A time. And then we will wrap with announcements and, and prayer. So that sounds good for everyone. Um, quick announcement is that we will be recording this session. And we also ask that people turn on their cameras if you're able to. That way, it is really great to see each and every one of you. So Tim, if you can uh, open up our time in a word of prayer, I'll pray right after you. Sure. Sounds good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we're just so thankful for this time that you've set apart for us um, in the middle of the week to be with your people, Lord, and to worship you. Lord, we're thankful for this special missions week. Um, and what a perfect timing um, with respect to our first Timothy study in chapter two. Lord, we're uh, just excited and um, encouraged to uh, hear from uh, the Morales family today and their, all the good work that uh, you're doing in, in their lives and through their lives um, in Colombia. And um, Lord, I pray that, Lord, that we would be encouraged and challenged by uh, just the things that they're, they're going to be sharing today. Um, and Lord, that we would also, as you've commanded, uh, just be bold to share the gospel as well um, and be defenders of the true gospel. Uh, Lord, we're just uh, humbled. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength to live out the gospel and that the gospel would truly be uh, reflected brightly in our own lives. Lord, understanding who we were before, that we were just wretched sinners uh, in need of a savior. And Lord, by your uh, rich mercy, uh, you sent your son to die for us on the cross as a propitiation for our sins. And uh, Lord, to satisfy your holy wrath. Um, so we're just thankful for uh, the gift you've given us in the gospel and the truth of the gospel. Lord, would we uh, just continue to meditate and reflect on the gospel daily, Lord, that it would transform our lives uh, by the work of your Holy Spirit. And so would you just be with us during this time? Uh, would your gospel just be uh, ever uh, so present in um, just the things that we're to talk about today um, and that we would walk away uh, more edified and more uh, that our faith would continue to just be built up. Uh, thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Lord God, we um, do want to worship you. You alone are worthy of praise. You alone are God. And um, thank you for the opportunity we can gather. Um, even though we're apart, um, we can 
come together uh, through this medium and uh, through Zoom and just to see one another, um, to hear from your word, hear what you're doing in the world um, through uh, people like the Morales family and just uh, to spend time with one another. Um, thank you for Christ who is the one mediator who bore our sins on the cross and who made a way for us to be called your children. Um, and thank you for um, just that great privilege um, and uh, the, your great love for us. We pray that uh, you would be glorified in you alone tonight. Um, we pray that uh, you would help us to be more like your son, that you would transform our lives so that we would not just be hearers of your word, but to be hearers and doers of your word, Lord. Um, and I uh, thank you and pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So now we'll move to the um, presentation of Christ and his word. So I have asked Eric Lau if he could read 1 Timothy 2. So Eric, can you read that for us, please? Sure. Okay. First uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men, the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise also, that women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Thank you, Eric. And now we'll hand the time to um, Olivia and Ben, who will be sharing uh, from what they learned for, through their exegesis worksheets. Olivia? Hi. <clears throat> um, yeah, so for observations on this passage of 1 Timothy, we see Paul's specific calling of the church to pray for all men, uh, such as prayers of supplications, um, because we are lacking, and um, intercessions, um, so that we can come before God in um, confidence to speak with him on behalf of others. He shows importance and urgency of what he wrote um, by saying in verse one, first of all, to show its importance, and then the verb urge to ex exhort um, them to pray. 
Um, Paul also urges that we pray for all and specifies to pray for our leaders, um, even though during that time, um, persecution of Christians were happening under Nero. So you can kind of see that in context. Um, so that we may live peaceful lives that will glorify and please God. Um, the conduct of living godly and dignified lives are for God since it pleases him and it and he also desires all people to be saved, um, which is shown in verse four. Um, he writes that God desires for all people to be saved, uh, which shows who he is as um, God. And he's the one God, um, one love, and has all the power. So um, Christ's sacrifice was sufficient for all. And I kind of cross-reference um, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 through 15. And, um, and it talks about also um, how... Um, he became the one mediator so that we can have a relationship with God. Um, lastly, he specifically calls the men to lead um, in prayer and mercy. Um, so yeah, overall, some principles and practices that we should be doing is praying for others, praying for help, and praying for with thanksgiving for all, and um, especially our leaders. Um, we should be going before God in prayer with the right heart and lifting our hands to praise him. And we should pray for others to know God, because even though not all are to be saved, he desires that all men um, to be saved. So, yeah. Hey, thanks, Olivia. Uh, next is Ben. Hello. Um, so in our, in our group, we um, talked about how this comes right after Paul's charge to Timothy to fight the good fight, and then um, this is his first instructions following that. Um, we identified that in, in the, these verses one through eight, uh, it kind of makes a prayer instruction sandwich, where the first few verses is the instruction to pray, the last few verses is uh, instructions to pray, and the middle is kind of the, the why. Um, and we found uh, some contrast between uh, how Paul keeps using the term like all men or just the words all or men in general um, in contrast to there only being one God and one mediator um, and uh, the short little gospel presentation in the middle about how um, Christ is that mediator uh, between God and men um, and for the authorial intent uh, we got that uh, Paul urged Timothy to pray for all people to be saved through the one mediator, Christ Jesus, since it's part of God's will of desire, and he charges the men specifically to lead in this prayer. Thanks, Ben. Thank you both for sharing. Um, I will now hand the time over to Pastor Mark and the Morales family. Thanks, Edwin. Um, you know, maybe in response to that, um, I'm going to lean on Kevin now. Kevin, I'm coming your way. Um, but, you know, I just think it, there's a presidential debate happening right now. You guys have all um, decided to Zoom rather than to watch more of what we've been seeing. But, you know, our nation does need prayer. God desires that all men would be saved. It's a command that we're to pray uh, especially for the leaders, whether we agree with their politics or not. And so, um, Kevin, maybe you could lead us in a brief prayer just to pray for the salvation and repentance of our leaders. And then also, um, I think there might be a, a baby 
coming soon in the days ahead. There are several who are coming soon, but I know Andy and Esther are expecting soon as well. So maybe we can lift that up as well in prayer. Thanks, Kevin. Absolutely. Will do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, which helps us and guides us. If we were to try to figure out um, how to order your church and um, the different roles for the members of your church, we would be uh, lost. We wouldn't know what to do, Lord, but your word makes it clear. And Father, we just even appreciate the, the construction and the command, Lord, to be in prayer for all men and for all people, Lord. Um, we know that your salvation that you provide, Lord, is, is what you desire for all men. We know that not everybody will respond to your gospel message, Lord. Um, but Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would do a mighty work of salvation. And even now, as we're in a time where we're considering um, the presidential election, those who are in authority and power just reminded, Lord, that our responsibility um, as your people is to pray Pray for the salvation of those who are in power, those who have authority. And these are people who you have sovereignly placed in positions of authority, Lord. And we know that not all of their policy, not all their actions are submitted to your lordship as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Um, but Father, we do ask and we do pray that you do save them and that you transform them, whether it be Donald Trump we're talking about or Joe Biden, Lord, or whoever it might be. We just pray that there would be salvation uh, for these men, Lord, and that that salvation would influence their policy. It would influence what they care about, their position, their stance on things, Lord. But ultimately, Lord, we know that the kingdom of the world, this kingdom is not ultimately your kingdom. You have your own kingdom, Lord, and that's what you're building now uh, in your church and your people, Lord. So, Father, I just pray that your gospel message would go out and your gospel and your salvation would change lives and more and more people would be brought into your church and people submitted to your lordship ultimately lord so father we ask for that because we know that that's your desire that's your heart lord uh, that you desire all people to be saved uh, father we just want to pray for the needs of our church as well um, specifically uh, particularly we think of andy and esther lord who are expecting um, the birth of her chi their child any day now, Lord. And we just pray that you would watch over them and their family during this time. Uh, we know that uh, their child and their family is in your hands and they always have been, Lord. So we trust and we know that uh, they're in good hands, the best of hands, Lord. So we just pray for them and you give them strength and comfort and endurance uh, for these next few days ahead. We pr pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Olivia and Ben, for sharing with us an encouragement to hear what you're learning in your group uh, groups, respectively, for First Timothy 2, 1 through 8. Well, now um, we just have a special evening. This evening we've dedicated this week as Missions Week uh, for us to consider how the Lord desires our church to take the good news um, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So the places we work, our homes, our families, our children, but also, um, you know, the San Jose area, but also by extension to the entirety of the world. And uh, it's a thrill for me to be able to get some hangout time um, this evening and this weekend as well with uh, the Morales family. And uh, they're going to be coming up this weekend to visit us, and they'll be at church on Sunday, and we'll have a chance, Lord willing, 
to hang out with them at a picnic afterwards and uh, also hear from them. Uh, but they have uh, amazing stories because the Lord has done an amazing work in their life. And um, just by way of introduction, um, I guess, Ricardo, I've known you probably for 13 years, at least 13 years. Back when we first met, I had a full head of hair. I was probably six foot two as well, and time and ministry has shrunken me down. But um, we graduated twice together. So we did our MDiv together. We did Hebrew class together. And then we also graduated THM. And I, I got to be at that seminary banquet where I was newly uh, attached to Julie and you were newly attached to Vana. And we, you and I were both the guys who were single forever in seminary. And then the Lord swooped in and intervened miraculously for both of us. Right. And then uh, you continued and did church planting after that in, in uh, the Placerita area, New Hall area. Um, and uh, then you went on to do your doctorate of ministry. I could no longer keep up. I waved the white flag. I said, I can't keep up with Ricardo anymore academically. And so off you went to your demon. And then I, I came to Lighthouse instead. So um, anyways, you know, the Lord has done an amazing work in your lives, even in the brief time that I've known both you and Vana. And I wanted to tie it in to this idea of missions, that mission starts with God saving people. And that starts with really the Lord doing a mighty work in both your lives. And so I, I was hoping you'd be able to share with us this evening how the Lord saved you and maybe also perhaps some of the people who are praying for your salvation, um, either before you got saved or after you got saved as new believers. Sure. So, so first of all, um, you are totally, totally right, Mark. I met you when you were maybe 15, 15, 20 years old. Guys, a few years ago. Yep. Time is flying, and, and uh, yes, you're right, 10, 12 years. And to all of you, I am very, very excited to see your, your, your happy faces. And so many of you are so young that um, I'm just rejoicing uh, right now seeing a church that has young people that are excited to know the Lord. That is uh, really, really a blessing to see you all there. And I want to introduce my wife, Hi. Mona. Nice to meet you guys. And my daughter, Viviana Grace. Hi. So, Vivi, why don't you say something real quick before and we'll let you go to bed? Um, well, I just want to say... Um... Hi to all the kids. If anybody, any kids are watching, I just want to say hi. And that I'm happy to get to be part of this Zoom some. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. How can they pray for you? Talking about prayer, how? how? Um, probably making friends, you know. Um, maybe yeah. just also for our family, because we're missionaries, mm -hmm. like. Help us um, to transition, maybe. Yeah, like for well, while we um, are going to Colombia, that you would ask the Lord to um, give us help and yeah. Okay, so, Vivi, I have. Can I ask you one question before you go to bed? Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me one super cool thing about being a missionary kid on your way to Colombia? one super cool thing 
and maybe one challenge? Well, I think the number one challenge is probably the food because it's pretty crazy down there when it comes to food. In one region of Colombia, they actually eat ants. So I'm a little bit scared about that. But they so, like pretty normal food too, so I eat. So if we come down to visit you, will you get us a big plate of ants? for us to eat and we can eat it together. Um, maybe. <laughs> we'll send the boys first and they can eat the ants first and we'll do it after. But yes, that does sound like a uh, significant challenge for sure. Well, super yeah, cool and thing. My, the super cool thing is probably, probably getting to learn like new things about a country and like before I didn't like know that much and like probably also Maybe getting to meet other churches mm -hmm. like you guys and probably like just getting kind of that, like getting to kind of go more places, I guess. Because also when people are supporting you, like for example, sometimes there's like a church like wherever, like in Canada, and sometimes you get to go to like different places mm -hmm. that are pretty cool. So you get to go to different places kind of around the world. So. so you get to travel and see lots of different people and try lots of different foods. Much, yeah. Well, we will absolutely pray for you, for friends, and also um, to help you have courage as you have to eat plates of ants. I think your parents will spare you of that. Um, <laughs> and we'll also rejoice that you get a chance to meet lots of believers in lots of different churches around the world. So thank you for sharing that with us. Bye. Good night. Good night. Okay. So, so when, so when we start, um, uh, you, you want us to start with our testimony, is that right? Yes, please. Okay. So I guess I will start um, telling you guys that originally I'm from Colombia, South America. Colombia is, uh, this is South America. Imagine South America right here. And Colombia is in the very uh, north east, north northwest, northwest corner. corner right here, northwest. Yes, that would be northwest corner of Latin America, next to the Panama Canal, right there, and next to Venezuela. So Colombia, um, we have about 50 million people. Uh, we speak Spanish. It's our, our um, it's my mother tongue. And when I came to when I was born, let's say, or when I came to Christ, maybe when I was born in Christ, when I came to him, I was about eight, nine years old. At that time, Colombia was a Catholic country. It was so Catholic that in order for you to become a citizen, you, need to, you, had, to show, you had to show your uh, certificate of baptism by the Catholic Church. And I came to Christ because some friends of us, some neighbors, invited us to a Pentecostal, to a charismatic church. At that time, because of the strong influence of Catholicism, 98, 99% of, uh, of the country was Catholic and it was the official religion. To be a Christian was literally, they used to call, I still remember some Baptist neighbors we had, we used to call them the satanist in the, in, the, in the neighborhood 
So when, when I came to Christ in a Pentecostal church, I used to attend a Catholic church, a Catholic school. They expelled me just because I had become a Christian. I, at that time, I had two brothers and a sister, and they all asked us to leave the, the school because we had become Christians. And that was like really bad. Uh, however, by God's grace, my mom was able to talk and they brought us back into to the school. So I came to the Lord when I was about eight, nine years old. And I, did, I don't remember a special event or something like special that happened to my life. But I know that since I began going to this uh, Pentecostal church where God's word was preached, maybe they had um, wrong doctrine, but I developed a very, very strong love for his word. I developed a very strong uh, love for, for a personal relationship with Christ. I also um, developed a very, very strong love for the church. And since I was about eight, nine years old, I really, really wanted to serve the Lord. I still remember listening to the radio programs. At that time, obviously, there was no internet. And I used to listen in the evenings before going to bed. Uh, these programs, um, you know, where I would learn the Bible, go to church, because I really wanted to grow in, in knowing Christ. At age 15, um, I went to the Bible's, Bible Institute in Bogota, Colombia. And even from my own savings, I would, I would pay my own tuition to go to this Bible school. And when I was um, maybe say 15, 16, my dad wasn't a Christian. He used to be a businessman and he used to be an alcoholic and he used to drink a lot. And since he knew that my mom and I and my brothers were becoming Christians and we were going to church, he became more angry at us. And even this week doing counseling with a, with a Colombian person that is going through a similar situation where her, her husband is not a Christian, I told her, this is what happened to me when I was 14, 15 years old. We began to pray for the salvation of my dad. I still remember every single night my mom would call us. We would read the Bible and we would be on our knees asking the Lord for, for him to change the, 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 the heart of my father. My father was an alcoholic, was a very, very man, bad man, seriously. If you were to see him today, you wouldn't be able to recognize that that man was, was that, that now he is a different person. So I just, I just believe how um, the, the power of prayer, and as a matter of fact, talking he's, about, he's a Christian now. He's a Christian now. Yeah. He came to the Lord. Um, things didn't get easier. You know, when we would pray, he would even get more angry. I still remember him turning the table, you know, of the, our dining room, taking bottles of beer and all angry. And what we would do, instead of fighting him or my mom, abandoning him, we would go to the room. No one nine, no two, no three, no four, mm -hmm. no ten, no twenty, no thirty. Took about two, three years of prayer. Praying, 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 praying on our knees. I still remember and crying before literally crying because we would be children and seeing my dad. So that 
is, is, is an incredible testimony about prayer even my own life. The lady who told us about Christ and told me because she really loved me. She was a really good neighbor of us, a friend of us. And, and she would pray for us because my mom was also very hard. Her heart was really hard for the gospel. She didn't want uh, to take us kids to the church, but she really keep pressing on. Why don't you let Ricardo go to church? Why don't you let Ricardo go to church? And she would be praying. Her name is Rosalba. Right now, she has Alzheimer. But you know what, guys? She might not remember me. But the Lord remembers her prayers. That's incredible. She doesn't remember much about Ricardo because now she's maybe 86, 87 years old and she has Alzheimer. But you know who remembers? Even up to today, her prayers, the Lord. So that's maybe two little things of prayer in my life. When I was uh, 17 years old and I finished uh, high school, um, I wanted to serve the Lord. But I didn't know what it was like serving the Lord because I was in a Pentecostal church and I didn't know what it was to serve the Lord. But I heard of a missionary ship, a boat, a sailing boat that goes from country to country preaching the gospel. You know, I heard of, that, of this ship and I said, I want to serve the Lord. Maybe I should go there as a missionary. But I didn't know what it was, it was like to be a well, missionary. And there's a connection here because what was the name of the ship? Logos. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Anyway, go ahead. So I, went, I, I joined the ship Logos when I turned 18. And I was able to be a, a missionary there for two years. And until, guess what happened? Well, in how many countries did you visit? So I went to about 20, 25 different countries. In that ship, there were about, um, about 140 people from 40 different nations. And I went to about 25 different countries with that, um, that ship. I went to Russia, I went to Australia, Canada, the beautiful Canada. <laughs> and um, the United States, South America, many places, by God's grace, I was able to visit sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe just, um, maybe a little testimony real quick. When, when I, um, before I went to, the, to, the, to, the, um, to that ship as a missionary for two years, my dad told me, he said, Ricardo, I can support you as a missionary because he was already a Christian, but, but that is not what I want you to do. I want you to go to school, to university, because for Colombians, education is extremely, extremely important. That is maybe why I'm still doing my D-Main at this age, because <laughs> for us, education is very, very important. So my dad said, Ricardo, I, I pay you your, your, your university, um, or, I sent you two years, two years to that ship. So I said, okay, I prefer to serve the Lord. And then he said, when you come back, after your two years commitment in that ship as a missionary, you have to go back to university. But you have to pay your education for yourself. You pay your education, you have to work during the day and go to school during the evening. I said, okay, dad, I will do that. But after two years, guess what? The ship sank. No more ministry, no more missions. I was about 20, 21 years old. So I went back to Colombia 
and I could go into the details of the testimony. It's just incredible how the Lord worked out things. But the, the missionary organization that I was working for or with, Operation Mobilization, they knew that I wanted to go to school, to university. So they told me that a small Christian college in Southern California was offering a scholarship to, to that uh, organization. And they said that they were praying. Listen, prayer, prayer. They were praying. They were praying. And they knew that I was praying to go to school. So they offered me that scholarship. So that's how I ended up on board the ships. I mean, back in, in the master's university, excuse me. That is how I ended up in the master's university the first time. So I went to the master's, um, to the master's university to get, um, to get um, this, this degree, you know, in business actually. And something real quick I want to say about my education. At that time, I wanted to be a businessman because my ministry, although I was in missions on, in the, on, board, on board the ship, I was very involved in the, in the administration, in the business side of the ministry. I, I can not go into details right now, but basically I was there for two years doing kind of the business side of the ministry. And I had this good friend of mine, he's, when I went to a master's university, I had this really good friend of mine, the son of a pastor. And he said to me, Ricardo, I really want to be your friend. I want to hang out with you. Uh, why don't we take the same classes together? So I said to him, his name was Lupi. He's the son of a pastor. You know, he, his dad has a small church plant here in California. And I said to him, Lupito, it's impossible that we can take the same classes because, um, because you want to be a, a, a Bible major and I want to be a business major. So he said, Ricardo, why don't you pray? And I said, okay, let's pray. But you know what? I really want to do business. And we prayed, I still remember, and there are three that day, and I just kept going on. So I ended up doing business. But he wanted to take, to take the classes with me so much that he also changed his major in his own Bible. He did business. And listen to, to the well, song. double major, didn't you? So I also got a double major. I ended up getting a double getting major Bible too. in Bible too. Um, so guess what? 20 years later, he was a third level executive in, Fede, in, Federal, in FedEx reporting to the CEO. And I was the pastor of a small church plant here in Southern California. I, Ricardo, I hope he's supporting you in your ministry. Uh, he, 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 he wants to, his, his church, actually, his church is supporting me. That's excellent. Uh, that church is supporting us, yes. And so, so you see how the Lord works? The Lord works. So then I ended up going back to Colombia. I got my master in business administration. I studied business law. And uh, I was working for big companies. And I just think that during that time, the Lord kept me um, through prayer. And I want to highlight at this moment a very important aspect of prayer. My mom, mm -hmm. my dad and mom. My mom has never, ever, ever failed to pray for me. And I was in business and I had some sort of success and I began getting busy with the things of the world. And uh, at that time there was a financial crisis in Colombia. 
and I wasn't really finding purpose in my life. I was single. I was maybe 32, 33 years old, and I was single. And um, and maybe I want to make here a, a, a little uh, a little um, observation about prayer. Are you? Are everybody listening to me? Are you okay. following me? Okay. So. I was working for a company. Listen to this. This is one of the most incredible testimonies about prayer or, or aspects of, about prayer in my testimony. I was, I was working, working for a company and, and I went to that, with that company to North Carolina. The company was in Colombia. I was living in Colombia. I was in business and I ended up going to, um, to North Carolina. And, and the lady in charge of international business of that company was a Christian. And she knew I was a Christian too. And I was with a group of about 20, 30 businessmen from South America and Central America. And, and she said, Ricardo, we should be sharing the gospel with these men, with all these people. What can we do? She said, uh, why don't we take them to a Bible, to a Christian radio station, excuse me, to a Christian radio station. So we went to the Christian radio station as a means to, to open up conversations with them about the Lord. So as soon as I went inside to that place, I began crying. I was about 32, 33 years old, and I began crying and crying and crying like a child. So I obviously got away from the group because I was very embarrassed, you know, to be in a Christian radio station and began crying. And I saw this guy, Work there. That worked there. He saw me crying and he said, Hey, sir, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? Oh, I said, No, I am just, my heart is broken because this is a Christian radio station. I used to be a missionary. Now I am in business. So he took me to his office and I, I could go into the details of the testimony. But he, end, he ended up being um, a being close friend of John MacArthur and his son went to the, to the master's university. And uh, I even was crying more because I said, oh, no, and now I'm in business and I wish I would be serving the Lord. My heart is sad because I should be preaching. So he told me, why don't you go to the master's seminary? I said, no, because I don't have money. You know, I'm now I'm in Colombia. It's very expensive to go to a master's seminary. You know what? He prayed for me. I still remember his prayer. He said, Lord, pave his wave his way, Ricardo's way to go to the seminary. And that one day he may serve you again. And he said, Ricardo, trust in the Lord. The Lord can answer prayer. Pray, pray. Guess what? I ended up coming back to the master's seminary. I won't go into the details how the Lord brought me back. He opened the door. When I came here, I met this guy that prayed for me. He is the director of Grace to You Spanish Ministries. Is it not incredible? Actually, that night when when we went to the um the banquet. To, to the banquet, we met that evening. Wow. And 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 uh I was able to tell him, you remember I am the man you pray for me. And he could remember perfectly Contreras is his name. And he prayed for me and the Lord answered his prayer. Then he wanted me to, he, then he wanted to pray for Bon and I. I said, no, 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 please. Because maybe you are a prophet. 
<laughs> is it not incredible That's how amazing. our answers prayers? And to, up to this day, we're friends. And he still remembers that day when he prayed for me to bring me back to the seminary and to be in the ministry full time again. So I came back to the Master's um, Universe, Master's Seminary in 2007. And as I said, uh, in business and in Colombia, I wasn't being fulfilled. Part of that is because I hadn't met my beautiful wife, Bona. Amen. So go on. I'm Bona, and um, I'm actually from Oregon. And I grew up in a little Medford, um, little town in Oregon. And um, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Christian family. I heard the gospel from a really young age. Um, but the church I went to, my mom still goes there now, um, is a really interesting, um, different church. I want, it's not, it's not a nominational, but, and how we met. um, yeah, and the pastor, um, you memorize more principles that the pastor teaches than you really memorize scripture. So, um, I was really blessed. I didn't have money to go to college. And I was really blessed. I got a scholarship from the Air Force to do nursing at University of Portland. And University of Portland is a Catholic university. Um, and I've never been Catholic, but you had to take mandatory Catholic classes, religion classes. And they're very liberal Catholics. So they were saying things like, Jesus is gay, um, the upper room discourse was an analogy to an orgy with his disciples. I mean, horrible stuff. And I knew what they were saying was absolute heresy, was absolutely false. But because I hadn't memorized scripture, all I could spout back was what my pastor had taught me. I knew, I knew lots of these principles that the pastor taught me, and they were good principles. But I know you could be in shock that my very fancy professors with these great big PhDs couldn't care less what my little pastor in Medford, Oregon said. So that was the first time in my life I really had to pick up the Bible for myself and be able to know from scripture for myself in the Bible, reading the Bible daily by myself, for myself, to not just know the good principles that come out of the Bible, but to actually know scripture. So, um, it's just like Ricardo said, I think throughout all of that with, um, I think that was a big time of refining for me. Like I can't set a date as a, as a child. I think I was saved as a very young child and, um, I never was really rebellious. Um, I can remember having times in my life when I had, I consciously made the choice towards, wanting to please the Lord rather than wanting to be popular something like that in, in maybe junior high or high school. But I can't remember like a, here's my salvation date. But I do know um, there was a great deal of prayer, both um, mm. by my mom um, and in particular, my mm. grandma. I was very, very close to my grandmother who was a really just amazing, wonderful, um, mature Christian woman. And, um, and throughout that time, so after I graduated from, from college, um, I did, I joined the Air Force. I was a nurse in the Air Force for six years. And my grandma died when I was stationed in Germany. So I couldn't come back for her funeral. And it sounds so bad, but it was almost like a palpable loss because I know she prayed for me 
fervently daily um, just for my walk with the Lord, for my, the goodness in my life. And, and I, it was like, a, like I could feel it when her prayers, you know, and I know the Lord covers me, but still it was like, I really felt um, the loss of her prayers when, when she died. Um, and when I was in Germany um, in the Air Force, I met a, um, a couple that um, are part of a ministry called Cadence International. And they minister to military members all over the world. Um, most um, enlisted military members don't, um, they, they live on base, they don't have a house off base, they don't have kids and a dog and a family environment, they eat in a chow hall, and it's a really hard place. And so this ministry just has these big open homes where they'll cook really good food, invite the kids over and have Bible studies. Sometimes they help out with young families. Sometimes they help out with singles. This particular family helped a lot with the singles, whatever the chapel needs help with. Um, and so I got to be really close to that family. And then they moved back to Travis Air Force Base. So actually fairly close to you guys. It was at Fairfield. And when I got out of the military, I actually, they called me and said, hey, we're needing help. We have 80 kids coming over to eat on, on Thursday nights and we could use some help. So I went down and I helped cook, I helped clean. Um, like I'm saying, the kids don't, none of them live there. Um, just the family lives at the house, but they have people over all the time. So it was just a lot of informal counseling. And I, I think I was giving good advice, but I was in way over my head. I was getting girls that had, had abortions, um, really terrible, terrible relationship decisions. And I'm like, I'm in way over my head. So I actually ended up, that was what spawned me coming to master's to do a master's in biblical counseling. Um, and at that point I was pretty much queen of the single women because I was 38 and I just figured I'm going to be the bachelorette till the rapturette. And that's when we met at church. I knew Mark Chin at that time too. I think it was, was it a, a men's counseling? Huh. You spoke at, at a, mm -hmm. Something. The Men Discipling Men Conference yep, that John Street used to do up at the college. Yep, I remember. So, so we yeah. we um we met through the church. Yeah, uh, we used to attend Placerita Bible Church, uh, the church that is right next to the Masters University, mm -hmm. because that church was the the one of the churches that was sponsoring the church where I was a pastor. I was while I was uh, going to seminary, mm -hmm. I was uh, associate pastor. And once I got done with a seminary for different circumstances, I uh, I became the pastor of the church, and I was there for five year for five years. But one thing I, I I don't know I imagine that there are some single people there mm -hmm. uh, right now tonight listening to us, and I just want to give you uh, an encouragement and and even prayer mm -hmm. in this aspect of of our uh, of our, of God bringing us together. Mm -hmm. I remember that day. I, I, I remember vividly, it was an afternoon when I was in my bed after going, after going back from classes in the seminary. And I, I was maybe 41 years old. Because we got married when we were 42. Huh? I got 42 and 38, yeah. I was 42 years old when I got married. Mm -hmm. Imagine, 42. I, I was 41. You're always one step ahead of me, Ricardo. What, what year did you guys get married? 2010. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Julie and I got married the same year. So yeah. that was a good year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I still remember 
imagined like, wow, I couldn't believe it. I wasn't married, you know? And, and, and I remember this day when I went back to, to, from the seminary and didn't have, you know, a girlfriend, nothing would work for me, seriously. And I just began crying, listen. That was my prayer. Tears came from my eyes. And I said to the Lord, you know what, Lord? I still remember vividly. I said, Lord, you won. I lost. That's fine. I will remain single if that is what you want for me. Mm. Two months later, I met Mobona. And, and maybe how sometimes prayer is that, you know? Prayer is to renounce mm -hmm. to, to your ways, to your timing, and say, maybe what I said, you know, I, I said in my own words, I still remember, you won, I lost. And maybe to say, you know what? You are right, I'm wrong. You are perfect, I take it. And, yeah, and prayer in the garden where Jesus says, not Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And, and it's, you know, as you so aptly pointed out, Ricardo, it's that, you know, prayer is so much, on the one hand, like James says, the prayer of the righteous man avails much. And I think we've all benefited from prayers, as you've said, and very, for whatever reason, it seems very frequently, and it's sad, because in Timothy, the men are supposed to lead in prayer. The men are supposed to be the prayer warriors lifting up holy hands in prayer and, and leading and blazing the trail. Sadly, in a fallen world, for generations, it's been women who have led missions and women who have led in, in, in prayer and have been on their knees, humbly dependent on, on the Lord, you know, and we, we hope that there's a change there. But the prayer of the righteous man avails much, but at the same time, it's that humble dependence, right, on, on the will of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, those are the first two questions we had. Um, how we met, how our testimonies, mm -hmm. and how we met. Just, just the Lord brought us together, and we, we, uh, we used to attend. Um, why don't you share the testimony, like exactly how I asked you? Yeah, how Ricardo asked you to the seminary banquet. Wasn't that the moment when, when we first met? That was the first story. Do you know that, Mark? That's a story. Well, we that was you know he pulled up in his fancy car, but. But, but that was, the, I think, the first time Julie and I met you, and it was at the seminary banquet, and we were together at the seminary banquet. I had sort of <clears throat> muscled in on Julie, too, and sort of persuaded her to come out. But I, that, that was, you were hot off the press. That had just happened. Oh, yeah. Well, and so his, I'll tell his side of the story, too. His friends had been kind of, there was a girl that kind of liked him from another church that spoke Spanish, Hispanic girl. Mm -hmm. So um, these guys, and they, she really kind of had her eye on Ricardo for a while. And they kept like leaving her picture and her phone number and stuff on his books at seminary, like ask her out, ask her out, ask her out. And well, you tell it, it's better if you tell it. She's a sweet girl, but. Well, yeah. and, and maybe I can, I, again, I can highlight the, the importance of prayer in this, in this uh, situation. So she, Nancy was her name. I've told you, I've told you. Nancy was her name and Nancy like really wanted to go out with me and and um and uh so she we went out like a couple of times you know and you know how it goes you know like the first time you know you are really happy you know and yes yes it went really good you know 
Then second time, you know, wow, I'm scoring, you know, I'm going, you know. But then like the third time, like she really didn't want to go out with me. So I was like, wow, man, not again, you know. <laughs> when you're like 18, 20 years old, you can take, take it, <laughs> take it, you know. <laughs> That's different when you're 41. <laughs> I hear you, brother. I hear you. I've been there. I've walked that path. So, so, you know, I talked to her, you know, I said, let's be, you know, let's be friends, you know, at least let's be friends, you know. So, so I, I, I said, let's, I invite, I invited her to the banquet because it was Jerry Bridges speaking. I remember. Jerry Bridges, imagine. So she was really excited. So she told me, yes, I got the two tickets, you know, and all my friends were like really excited. Ricardo is going to the seminary with a girl, with, uh, to the banquet, to that girl. Oh, he has a date. It was the big, big thing. It was a big, it was big news. It was big news. And not only that, it's like, you know, if, if you, if, if you can't, you know, make it all happen. If Jerry Bridges can't make it happen, no man is going to make it happen, right? So guess what? Trusting God. Tuesday at 4 p.m., I will never also forget, she calls me and she says, Ricardo, every time I pray for you, I don't know. It's not a red flag. It's not, it's not, it's not that, something. I'm not a charismatic, but it's like the Lord is telling me that I, you, I shouldn't be going out with you this Friday. I, I, like, <clears throat> I think there's a cessation of gifts. I think that's extra <laughs> revelation. But anyways, you know. Well. So she goes and says, you know, Ricardo, I just don't have peace. I won't go with you. And she basically hung up on me. Can you imagine that? So I said, oh, what do I do? <laughs> well, I called Vona. I called a friend of mine, actually, and tell, hey, why don't you invite Vona? Or why don't you tell that there is, why don't you tell Vona that there is a seminary student? I even didn't say, please don't name me because I don't say my name, <laughs> you know, because I was like, I couldn't take another no, you know. <laughs> don't tell her who that is. And then, and then my friend called her and, um, and she said, hey, there is this seminary student that would like to go to the spring banquet with you, Anne. And I was like, I hope it's Ricardo. <laughs> and so we went, to, we went to spring banquet and the car that Mark's referring to, Ricardo used to have, somebody had given him a grand marquee that was like probably longer than most of your houses. So, and like little kids, it was so big. It was like a, it was like a bus. Little kids would wave at you on the freeway. It, those, those, cars. those cars have huge street credibility in certain parts of our nation. Okay, so let's not dis disrespect the Grand Marquis. Yeah, let's tell the story. So the banquet that year was at Reagan Library too, which was really fun, right? We got all dressed up, picks me up in this, and it, it was like one of those like, oh, he's so humble. He's in this car. It's all shined up. He had like. He and his friend had waxed the whole thing. It was beautiful, like glossy, right? So I was like, oh, he's so humble. So, anyway, and he's, by the time we get there on the freeway, he was going like 95 miles an hour. And I'm like, why is he, oh my gosh, like, why is he driving so fast? Because as he goes up the hill, there's that big hill with all these curves. It was like 85, 75, 65, 45. At the end, it was like, Fred Flintstone trying to like make your the way car up so the big. park. Yeah. So, so that, it was a great time at the banquet. So, and then and then the Lord just brought us together. We got married in October of that year. Yeah. 
So that's basically our testimony, how we, 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 we met. And now we have a few minutes to share about many ministry. How the Lord brought us um, to Colombia and, and, and prayer. I think prayer, in this respect, I would emphasize it. Just, just more, than, more than the decision itself, you know, to say, okay, we are going to, let's pray where we are going or let's pray we go to Colombia. It's, it's the prayer that you need like every single day mm -hmm. to make it, even to get there, you know? In life, in and, life, yeah. And if there is something the Lord has told us in the last three years since, since we committed ourselves to go to Colombia, it's just the dependency you need if you, on, on God if you really want to serve him. If you want to serve him in some ways, you don't need the big titles. Mm -hmm. You don't need the big support, financially speaking. You don't need the big team. You don't need a fancy oratory to communicate. You don't need the building. You don't need many things. All you need is that dependency on the Lord, that trust, mm -hmm. that begging him, that he may provide that may, he may open the door, that he may work in a person's heart. I think that is what we have learned, you know, just, mm -hmm. just, just how the Lord works his own ways, you know, and, and you think you are going this way and the Lord <laughs> is telling you, no, I want you to go this way. And, and uh, I want you to wait. I want you to trust. I think that is how prayer has, has become so, in some ways, like a daily bread for us. You know, sometimes when, mm -hmm. when you are, and for example, when I was in business or even when I was in seminary, I knew that my four years were taken care of or I knew my paycheck would come every month or I would know that, you know, I knew what I had to do every day. But right now for us, everything is an uncertainty, you know, in the sense of, you know, even if we were to have full support right now, um, I want to plant a church. How do you plant a church on your own? You can't. No, no, absolutely. And, and Ricardo, I remember praying with you. <clears throat> you know, the Lord has, I mean, we hear these stories from you about these amazing interventions by the Lord where he steps in and does amazing things. And there's an incredible amount of prayer that's accompanying it. Mm -hmm. But there's also incredible waiting as well. I mean, it's very much like the Psalms where there are these great moments where undeniably the Lord comes and moves you along and gets you where you need to be. But then there's also these long periods when you're on the path of waiting and waiting and waiting and things are slow. And I remember one time praying with you on the phone, we prayed together and you were in transition at that time as well. And uncertainty where uncertainty is a daily uncertainty from the world standard. We have that certainty from the Lord. But the certainties of the world that most of us take for granted in jobs and careers, those things are taken away from mm -hmm. us. And I just remember when we prayed together where you prayed and asked that the Lord would help us, you and I, to be faithful in the little things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's key as you're talking about on a daily basis, praying for our daily bread, where the Lord is not only 
the Lord of the universe and the big things, but the good news of the gospel. He's the Lord of the little things as well. Amen. And there are all those tiny steps that make up the big steps in a marriage, in parenting, in missions as well. And it's not like we can discard those and play fast and loose with those things. We need integrity in the small steps as well as the big steps. And that need on a daily basis where prayer, like our Lord and Savior, is the air that he breathes that sustains every step all along the way on his way to the cross. So, well, Mark, don't you think too, at least for me, that's where I tend to get anxious is in the sure. little things. Because yeah. the big things I know I can't control. And it's sure. the little things I think I have that false sense of like, I've got to make these decisions just yeah. right. Or, you know, that's what I don't, that's what I think 2020 has been mm. really, really mm. good for making us all lose our grip on, I don't have control over the little, little things either. Like all of this, I need to cry out to the Lord for his help because Amen. I don't have control over it. So, Amen. Yeah. And, and it's been neat to see among the community of faith and those who have had to live by faith beforehand, how mm -hmm. Psalm 1 has really, you know, come to bear where they are like the tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and does not wither, its leaf does not wither, you know, and, and that flourishes even when the heat is there. And, and certainly uh, we've seen that with the missionaries we've interacted. We've seen that with you when we've met you each year at Shepherd's Conference and, and our church as well has been blessed during this season. It has been hard mm -hmm. and it's been a time of uncertainty and yet still God continues to do his work. And along those lines, I wanted to, to make a segue. Right now, as you wait to go, you're raising your funding. You're 75% of the way there. The Lord has walked you through this journey where he led you. You made the commitment, and he's made you wait, but it's gone forward. But right now, you're actively ministering and doing shepherding and biblical counseling for people in Colombia. And, you know, the internet and streaming has made that possible. And, you know, the Lord's prepared you both, obviously, Ricardo with the seminary training, but Vana before that with the biblical counseling training as well together. Can you share with us maybe a little bit about what's going on in Colombia and, and the biblical counseling that you're doing um, for some of the people there? Sure, sure. Um, so it was really interesting. Our, Ricardo's brother's wife. Um, works in Colombia and just like everywhere um, they've been fairly hit fairly hard with COVID and their infrastructure is so poor their hospitals and like that um, I'll say it this way for the poorer classes for the more wealthy classes is good but for the poorer classes is pretty bad right so they've just shut down hard so if we think we've had it bad oh you guys <laughs> like my like my little niece and nephew, Vivi's right in the middle. So they're 10 and 8, 10 or 10 and 7. They have been out of their apartment one time in four months for half an hour walk. Because you have to have like a ticket. I mean, it's just been really, 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 really hard. So that's kind of the conditions in Colombia. So my sister-in-law works... Um, as a manager for like a phone where you call in, you know, calling center. And she had there, she has like a co-manager. Everybody works from home, but the two of them about once a week get together and, and, you know, do the stuff they need to do for their management of their company. And, um, and the other lady is probably what early thirties, 32. 32. 
um, two kids married. And the other day she said to Claudia, um, can I leave a little bit early today? I'm so sorry. I have my divorce paperwork in the car and I've got to run it over to the attorney's office before they close. And Claudia was like, wow, would you talk to a pastor or somebody before you do that? Could, you know, and she's like, it's not going to help, but sure. Like, that's fine. I'll, you know, I can talk to him, but my husband's terrible and I'm, I'm not, you know, so, um, I ended up on the phone with her and I speak very little Spanish still. I'm working on it really hard. <laughs> so you guys can pray for me for that. But, um, but between Claudia and I, cause Claudia speaks fluent English too. Um, you know, share the gospel with her and then said, Hey, and she's Catholic. Um, would your husband meet with my husband and I, and she said, I don't know. He's an atheist. Um, I don't know what he's going to really say, but I, I'll ask him. And he said, yes. So we ended up starting to do counseling with them. And for a we good- spend maybe, We spent maybe five, six hours just sharing the gospel. Yeah. You know, from Genesis to Revelation. Even yeah. obviously proving God, you know, this proving in the sense of telling him God was the creator. You know, we had to say, mm -hmm. hey, there is a creator, you know, how did you come here? And um, just that he was the Lord, that he's the savior that um, he died on the cross, that, you know, he resurrected. Just the whole gospel for out at least five, six hours through Zoom. Mm -hmm. And they both ended up accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And as, as we share um, with Mark and, and a couple of other, other friends of us, uh, or a few friends, um, not only because of the power of the scriptures, you know, but also because they saw such an incredible change in each other. You know, she was like, I had never, ever, ever seen my, my husband this different. Something must have happened to him. Mm -hmm. Like that guy that you guys are telling him uh, about must be true, you, you know, because he never, you know, they have been for about 15 years married and um, or, to, yeah, or together. together. Mm -hmm. And also the same thing, you know, he said, wow, my, my wife has always been a Catholic, but I never saw God in her as I do now. So that was really good. Mm -hmm. We have been tomorrow at 4 p.m. Um, our time, we meet with them again. They call us every single week and they are pursuing us for counseling. Um, mm -hmm. So the Lord mm -hmm. works like that. That's amazing to hear. This week also we began counseling with another couple same situation they both are colombians so we can pray for them uh her name is claudia and her husband is renee a very similar situation you know how can we be praying for the church and believers in colombia obviously as you're saying with the disparity between the wealthy class and the poor class and covid and also the challenges that exist i'm sure with the churches there um, can you give us an idea about how we can be praying, um, you know, for believers in Colombia at this time? I think, I think the first prayer request is that the Lord may use this circumstance, this mm -hmm. situation, to bring a, a true revival to Colombia. Mm -hmm. You know, that people might be softened. Actually, we have so, 
excuse me, we have so many opportunities, Lord willing, when we go to Colombia, because we have so many people we have heard that are in problems, that need Christ, their business are bankrupt, that they are, they are trying to find answers and hope in this life. Mm -hmm. So please pray that, that the Lord may use this opportunity to touch the hearts of those that, um, that, that he wants to, to come to him, to faith. Number two, pray for good teaching mm -hmm. because it's really, really, really sad what is going on in Colombia. Mm -hmm. If I were to tell you guys that, for example, when we share about uh, our ministry, we, we tell people that we are going to Colombia to, to help establish a seminary, you know, to train pastors. And people say, how can you train pastors? Aren't pastors supposed, trained. <laughs> supposed to already be trained? Not in Colombia. Many pastors, like literally thousands of little churches in Colombia, have a pastor that has never, ever, ever, literally never gone to a Bible school. I'm, I'm listening as you guys. That was awesome, by the way. The two that shared in the beginning of this Bible study. I am going to guarantee you that both of you have had more training than the majority of the pastors in Colombia have ever had. So and the exegesis and the walking down through the passage, and this is what the passage says, they cannot do that. It's, it's so all sad. about working the crowd for the bucks, even. It's, it's so really sad. It's hard. heartbreaking. What's, what's happening in the religious landscape and the church? What's happening with churches in, in Colombia? The, ca yeah. the charismatic movement is growing like crazy. So now there was, uh, before when I was a child, 99% were Catholics. Now maybe 70, 75% Catholics. Now we have a strong uh, charismatic movement. Number two, we have a lot of uh, Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and Islam. Listen to these guys. Mm -hmm. Islam is growing at a rate of 15 to 20% a year. 15 to 20% a year. That's a lot. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And when you talk about the charismatic church, a lot of that is wealth and prosperity, is it All not? It, yeah. It's is... really interesting when we've shared, sorry to walk on you. Um, it's been so interesting whenever we're around um, people that are familiar with the church in Africa, they'll come up to us afterwards and they're like, oh my gosh, you guys just described the church in Africa. It's very similar where you have a poorer part of the population that promise of prosperity is just very, very appealing, appealing to them. Mm -hmm. So it's really similar, the, the churches in between Africa and, and South America. Wow. You know, I mean, the need for the gospel is still huge, even with that change, but it's also ripe for the gospel as well. Yeah. So what, Ricardo and Vanna, you know, and we've talked about this privately, but maybe you can just share briefly as we sort of bring things to a close. What is the direction or what is the plan or what are you thinking as far as um, how the Lord is calling you to minister in Colombia? Local church, church planting, and, and also the training of pastors. Yeah, we have basically two, two, two main goals as we go to Colombia. Obviously, it's um, the, the main, our heart is to fulfill the Great Commission through uh, teaching um, and baptizing, baptizing and teaching. 
and, and those aspects, we want to do it, the church. So we want to um, plant a church in Pereira. In Pereira, is, Pereira is a city with about 500,000 people, 450, 500,000 people, where there is literally no one Bible-centered church. Like I can assure you that no one Bible church with good doctrine is known as the capital of Satanism in Colombia. And Colombia is the third country in Satanism in the whole world. So you can Im Im imagine the kind of city that is. So we want to plant a church there, solid Bible church. And second, we want to help in the seminary establish a master seminary, a TMAI in Colombia. So I have been already helping with that. Uh, for the last two terms, I've been grading papers for, for the students there. And again, you know, I have never, never seen him. I like, um, uh, Mark, when we went to school, you know, and, and the professors would grade us, you know, we would just, oh, I got this grade. Wow, when I grade these students, they are so grateful for every correction I make to them. Like literally, you know, if I were to read, they say, wow, Professor Morales, thank you for correcting this. Thank you for helping me because they are so thirsty and they want to be good pastors. Yeah, there's that <laughs> distinction as far as correction goes. It's a different yes. thing in, in North America. Exactly. How, how did you guys get connected with that particular city? Because, because though my family is from Bogota, the capital, my dad and mom moved to that city about 40 years ago, 13 years ago. So, um, so we have been finding out more about the need, the needs in that, in that city. So I had the possibility of going to Bogota, where the Fernando Jaimes is there. Sure. He is right now. He's there. But uh, in, in, in Bogota, there are a, a number of Bible churches. So I think it's better for us to go to a, to a city where there is no churches, you know, mm. that would make more mm. sense. Absolutely. Well, we're going to pray for you in a minute. I just wanted to ask you very specifically, you know, we'll pray that we'll have uh, time together this weekend, obviously, and, and more of a chance to catch up with you, but very specifically, how can we be praying um, for you and also for, uh, you know, the gospel in Colombia. Well, you share what, um, what um, the, the South story. Wow. So when we first started on this journey three years ago, that we, yes, we're going to go, um, there's a couple that were in Bogota as missionaries for 45 years. They've been missionaries now for like 52 years and they planted in that time what 39. has turned into 29 churches. 39, 39. Oh, 39, excuse me, 39 churches in Bogota. Um, and they're just amazing saints. And she said to me, Vana, you know, cause I asked her, what do I, I don't even, you know, how do I pray? How do I? And she said, you know what? You are going to want to pray for your provision whether that's the money to come so you guys can leave or the provision for your family and the transition, all of this, all of the practical stuff. And she said, you know what? You need to focus on your relationship with Jesus or you are never going to make it. 
So fight the urge to pray just about the provision and really pray for your relationship with Christ. So that would really be my prayer that you guys will be praying for us as individuals, even just that the Lord really be deepening us in his word that Mark, like you're saying that that tree that our roots just go down really deep into his word, into his love, into his character, that we be really established mm. um, and ready. Cause yeah. again, I, I feel like I was in the air force, right? I feel like we're getting ready for battle when I think yeah. about sure. where we're going you and, are. and just, I think the other thing to me is pray for, pray that the, the Lord be, you know, preparing those souls. And it's been amazing to us just out of the blue, like here's zoom, everything's closed. Columbia only opened to travel. Probably it's been about three weeks ago now. So even if we would have been completely 100 percent funded and ready to leave, sure. we couldn't get in. You would have been shut so, down. Yeah. yeah. So so first, let's pray for that, please. Yeah. The second, I dies for our hearts that the Lord may prepare mm -hmm. us. Second, second, I really think if you guys can pray for for my team, yeah, for for the church as such. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't see it yet, but we want to see it in the sense of mm -hmm. we want God to bring the, leader, the leadership. Mm -hmm. Imagine I will be there at first by myself. It will be a huge challenge, you know, mm -hmm. to find the right elders. I cannot kind of pick them. You know, I hope the Lord, and I'm sure the Lord will bring them to me. Please, please pray that the right men mm -hmm. may come alongside. Third, please pray for relationships like the one I'm having with you guys. You guys cannot imagine yeah. what it means to us like we should be paying you all of you for for just giving us Honestly. this time for praying for you for us for for allowing us be part of your family like this means so much to us mm -hmm. and, and we will need that in colombia you know only the lord knows what mm -hmm. will be our relationship like in the future but independently of of what takes place you know just just to have churches like yours you know like Hey, you know, we can always do some from Colombia, you know, and just just being shepherded by, by churches. That is that is mm -hmm. something that is that has no value. I'm telling you, you know, because priceless. Yeah, I yeah. mean that Mark, yeah, absolutely. Mark, sorry I want to throw you under the bus, but you have ministered to, to us yeah. and, and Julie like so many honestly many times, you guys. Um so so we appreciate that JC also has been a blessing to us there. Mm -hmm. You know, so that means so much to us. Well, like, that's our joy and, and it's our privilege and it's a gift, you know, just to be, as Paul speaks about in Philippians, about being partners for the gospel is something that even though Paul's in jail, he has such great joy because he's got such great ministry partners for the gospel. And that's a joy for us. So uh, thank you so much for taking this evening. It was a lot of fun and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you live. And hey, if anyone has any questions, we are going to hang out a little bit longer. You can ask us uh, any any question. Yeah, be careful for what you ask for. The, any, it, it'll any. It, it'll come. Um, but uh, Edwin, maybe if you would be so kind on behalf of the church just to pray for uh, Ricardo and Vona and Vivi Grace and for the believers in Colombia, and then I'll let you take over um, the remainder of the evening. 
Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, let's pray together. Lord God, um, you are great and greatly to be praised. Um, thank you for uh, hearing our prayers and also answering our prayers. Um, just even in this evening, the sharing from Ricardo and, and Vanna, we just see how you're working in their lives. You work in mysterious ways and you transform lives. You transform our lives. Um, and um, we thank you. Uh, this is a work that's not of our own doing, but it's uh, your work uh, in and through our lives. Um, we thank you for Christ and um, we thank you for your word, um, which has the power to save. And um, we pray for um, Vona, Ricardo, Viviana, um, as they prepare to go to Colombia. We pray for uh, their relationship with you, with Christ, that your spirit would dwell richly in them, that um, they would be um, deeply rooted, Lord, uh, in your truth and in your word, um, that you would prepare their hearts um, for this, uh, this, this missionary journey, Lord, um, that you would also prepare the hearts of the people in Colombia. We pray for a revival in the nation there, Lord, um, even in the midst of um, just the, the darkness, um, uh, Satanism, uh, false religions. Uh, uh, we pray that uh, you, you would be uh, the light in the darkness, Lord, and that you would also prepare men, um, leaders, to be equipped in the church, in the local church. Um, we pray for the training that will be provided um, and we pray that uh, um, the good news would go forth, Lord, through faithful servants and faithful saints, Lord. Um, pray for uh, just safe travel for the Morales family as they, they come up uh, uh, this weekend, um, that we could just enjoy um, sweet fellowship that's possible through um, your son, that we could be united, that, and we are united in Christ, um, and that uh, you would be glorified um, through our lives, Lord, as we just look forward to um, just all the good things that you are doing in our lives. Um, truly, um, your ways are better than our ways and higher than our ways. And even though we don't see the whole, um, we only see in part, um, we, we need to trust in you. Um, we praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen.